This is the Find Your Focus podcast with Shootproof. We chat with inspiring and creative entrepreneurs to encourage, empower, and equip you to take the next steps in your photography business. We want you to leave each episode with actionable steps so that you can gain confidence, book your calendar, and earn more income with your passion. So grab some coffee or your drink of choice and let's get to it. Hey everyone, I'm Logan Fay and the host of the Find Your Focus podcast with Shootproof. Today, I am talking to Elizabeth Blank. She is an Atlanta-based children's photographer specializing in underwater commercial and portrait work. Elizabeth has earned several international awards for her vibrant images and has had her work published in many national publications. She is here to talk to us today about how to get started in underwater photography. Something that I love about this interview is that Elizabeth goes over the basics of underwater photography so that you can get started right away. Have you ever wondered what gear you need or what settings to use while shooting underwater? Well, Elizabeth goes over all of that. So let's dive in, pun totally intended, with Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Logan. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So tell us about how you got started in photography and kind of where you are today. I would love to talk about this. It's an interesting story. I started about almost a decade ago now, um, back in 2010, took my very first DSLR class and, and learned how to take my camera from manual or from automatic mode to manual mode and just really found this, it, as cliche as it sounds, passion for photography that I didn't know I even had um, within me. And soon thereafter, hindsight being 2020, started a business that probably was a little bit quick to happen, but started a business fairly soon thereafter, photographed families, children, newborns um, for about six years. And I was very lucky. It took off and I really had a very strong client base within the Atlanta area. And then about 2016 started really feeling like I was burning, you know, from both ends, so to speak, and just began to feel a little bit burnt out with what I was creating and that I was shooting a lot for clients and not really shooting creatively anymore, which was initially what had brought me into photography. So about that time, I went underwater with my camera and this initial feeling that I had for photography back in 2009, 2010 was somehow rekindled when I went under the water and just fell in love with that aspect in that genre of photography. And at that time, I kind of decided that it was a good time to revamp my business, so to speak, and kind of have switch years a little bit in terms of what I was focusing on and what I was shooting, not only for myself, but for clients, because it began to feel a little bit more that that creative buzz was back within my work. Um, I was able to, to see it kind of coming from to fruition again. Um, and so I, I made that switch in 2016. I still photograph families from the families that I was shooting back in the early, um, you know, 2010. And so I still keep that aspect of my business intact, but focus much more of it now on the underwater portion. And that's what I've been doing for the last four years or so. I love that you were able to stay in photography, but kind of go a different direction and find something that like you were truly passionate about because burnout is so easy. 
in the photography world. And it's so easy to lose sight of why you started in the first place. I agree fully. Yes. And I think a lot of times too, if you have life changes happening in the midst of your business taking off, we went from when I began, when I took my very first class, I had a six month old, but by the time 2016 rolled around, we had three children at that point. So we were, it was, it was busy on all, on all fronts. And there was just a lot of juggling going on. And I thought, I, I don't want to give up my love of photography. And I, being able to do that for clients was huge, was such a bonus. I just needed to figure out how to have it be something that was fulfilling as well is profitable. So definitely here we are. Yeah. So how did you kind of get, I know you talked about getting into uh, underwater photography, but how did you kind of get there? What was it that made you think that's where I want to go? So it's, it's funny that you say that I have two really great friends who are both photographers as well. Their names are Courtney and Casey. And in 2016, when I was feeling really burnt out, we had ha- we happened to put a pool in our backyard. And I know that this is not everyone's that's not necessarily available to everyone. And I understand that. But we did. We, put, we were putting a pool in the backyard. And these friends kept saying, you really need to get under the water with your camera. But at that point, I was shooting so much for clients that if I was with my family, just enjoying an afternoon at the pool, the last thing I wanted to be doing was capturing more images that were then going to be something for me to have to sit behind a computer and edit and things of that nature. But after a couple of months, I was like, okay, Okay, I will. I'm going to get a camera just because they kept encouraging, um, in the most loving way, but kept kept encouraging. And um, and so one day, I mean, I don't I don't know that anybody can really pinpoint the moment, but it, it's crazy because one afternoon I happened to get my hands on an Olympus TG4, which is basically a. It's not a point and shoot. It allows you to shoot. Well, it is a point and shoot, but it allows you to shoot raw. It allows you to shoot manually, and just took it with me. And it was like, it's like almost like when you walk into a, you know, those scenes in movies, when you walk into the room and the record stops playing, it was almost that dramatic of a situation because I was like, this is what I was meant to do. Everything up to this point has led me to this point where I, this is what I'm supposed to be creating. I felt so alive as a creator. And from that point on, my thought was like, how can I get myself to a a camera that would be better suited for the images that I want to capture. Because as you, I went from shooting with a DSLR under or above land, you know, with families and everything to then using a camera that obviously it was much, the pixels were smaller and all of the ability that it had was much more limited than my DSLRs. So then my focus just began to change into how do I get the very best equipment that I can underwater and things of that nature. And then it kind of just happened organically that I pulled that piece into my business. So I love that. We are heading to my in-laws house um, today and they have a pool. Yes. <laughs> like hmm, I probably Ooh. should get some accessories to make you sure should. that I can. <laughs> I'm, I'm the worst enabler. I'm like, yes, you should. <laughs> yeah. That's so tempting. We go over to their house about once a week and my kids are one in three. They love the water. So yeah, that's very, and dogs who love to swim. So it's very, very tempting. <laughs> I've got two of those as well. And, and you know, one of the nice things is, is that obviously you want to be in the water at arm's length for your children, especially at ages one and three. But 
in order to like to capture them as well to be doing something now obviously you might want to have another adult there just for safety reasons and things like that if you've got a camera but um it's just nice to be able to be with them in the water and then capture you know they're always like watch this mom watch this and you're like oh I will not only watch it I will take a picture of it. <laughs> I love that I hear that so many times a day from my kids watch this watch this <laughs> yes I like that. that I will watch it and capture it <laughs> that's gonna be like my new motto I love yeah, it yep. <laughs> so I've heard I've heard so many people say that they would love to try underwater photography but they have no idea where to start so what advice do you have for someone who is just a total newbie to this so there's a lot of different, I think, I think one of the big things that people think about when they think underwater photography is that the gear can feel overwhelming of just where do I start? What do I do? And the nice thing is there's so many different levels of entry into the water. You can start with, for instance, the Olympus that I started with, I think it's around at least back then, maybe 300 or so dollars. And that was all I needed to just to get started. So if you want to just kind of play around, see if you like it, it, it doesn't cost thousands to invest just to get under for the first time. The GoPro is an amazing option. And they have a lot of different accessories that you can get for the GoPro that would allow it to take more high-end professional looking pictures that would take on the look of a DSLR or a mirrorless camera. They also have things just for your iPhone that you can put your iPhone in called Axis Go. That's another brand that, that has a thing you can put your phone in, but then also a dome, what's called a dome port. It's the like half globe looking dome type thing that you see a lot of underwater photographers using with their cameras. So GoPro and, and Axis Go have both of those. So you, you can do that or you can go ahead and jump fully in and get a housing unit for your DSLR or mirrorless, um, which is what I shoot with now. But just knowing that the options are out there, that it doesn't cost thousands of dollars necessarily to get started is, I think, a, a really liberating feeling. So Definitely. Yeah. I, I feel like the accessories are something that can get kind of overwhelming just thinking about until you start hearing someone talk about it. So are there a few accessories that someone could buy today after listening to this episode that could get them started right away with underwater photography? Yeah, absolutely. So those two that, you know, if you already have the GoPro, then just getting the dome, the dome, what that does is it allows you to take the images above the surface as well as below kind of what are called split images. Um, so that would allow you to do that straight out of the gate is in addition to that, there's a lot of distortion that happens under the water. So having that dome would be my biggest piece of advice is just getting either a housing unit or something that you could put your camera or GoPro or something like that in, and then just getting that dome to cut down on that distortion that you see often underwater would be the two biggest things that I would recommend. Do you have any recommendations for, I know a lot of our members in our community group were asking about what kind of housing units are the best. Do you have any favorites? The one that I use is called SPL Water Housing, and I'm a huge fan. I have used those forever and ever. I have three of them. And the guy who owns the company, makes them out of his garage. So they're all custom made to your camera. And he is in San Diego. And I think he typically services more of the surf photographers. I think when I initially reached out, he was like, you want to do what, where? <laughs> I'm like, so I live in Atlanta. <laughs> so I'm working with surf photographers in Hawaii, but okay, what? I mean, whatever. 
So I love, love his product. I cannot say enough good things. Knock on wood, wherever there is some, I've never had a leak in his products. It's, it's been fail proof up until this point. I know a lot of, I have a lot of friends who shoot underwater as well, and they really recommend the Aquatech housing. They've got great things to say about them. I've never personally used them, but they've said Aquatech is great as well. So any of the bigger brands, I think you can't go wrong with. It's really just, my biggest advice is just being very intentional when you put your camera within the housing unit, just to don't be distracted. Take your time, make sure that it has a really great seal around it and, and you'll keep your gear safe. So. Perfect. So one question that kept coming up in our community group as well, I told you before we started recording, our community is so excited about learning more about underwater photography. (laughs) They had so many questions. So one that kept coming up again and again was how on earth do you stay steady enough to focus on your subject underwater? It's such a good question. And that's actually, when we're talking accessories, we've talked a lot about what you need for your camera in order to prepare it to go underwater. But personally, you need to do some things as well. And and staying stable so that you don't have a lot of motion blur within your image is a huge piece of that. When you put your camera in an underwater housing unit, it immediately becomes very buoyant. So you're trapping all of that air into this box that is sealed now. It's waterproof. So when you're taking it under the water, it's just got so much air that it wants to immediately go back up to the surface. It's the best analogy that I have. It's like trying to take a basketball underwater, like pushing it down and capturing that shot. So I always wear a weight belt, which sounds crazy. It's, it's this like silicone belt that I have that then has different weights along the back of it. And depending on the lens that I'm using and which housing unit I'm using, that kind of determines how much weight I wear. And what it basically does is it just acts as a offset of that buoyancy with the camera. So if anybody has ever scuba dove um, or dive, scuba dives, scuba dove. (laughs) (laughs) If you've ever scuba, let's just (laughs) say if you've ever scuba (laughs) And you have within your BC, you have your weights just to pull you down to offset the heaviness of the or the buoyancy of the oxygen tank on you. It's the same principle. So that's the number one thing that I do. If I don't have my weight belt on, I'm immediately going up and I'm just having to counteract for all of that. So weight belt is huge. And then also having a dive mask, because if you don't have a mask or goggles on, you can't see what's happening through your viewfinder. So um, those are the two things that I can't I can't shoot if I don't have, I mean, I I could, but I don't like to, if I don't have this. I never even thought about having, you know, like a weighted belt or something, but it makes total sense when you're thinking about, you have this camera that, like you said, it's kind of like a basketball taking it underwater. That's not easy to hold on to. No, it's not. And then I don't have to really focus on having to counteract. I can focus more on my settings and making sure that I'm nailing, you know, my focus and all of that. Yeah. I have to ask, what lens uh, do you prefer to use? I, there's two that I use almost always, and that's my 16 millimeter or my 24 millimeter. So my pool is not, it's not super long. So I really need to use a wider angle lens in order to capture the entire scene. I have shot with my 35. I find that that's just a little bit too close to my subjects. The 24 is great because it doesn't distort my image too much. The 16 distorts it along the edges much more, but I kind of think it's fun because it kind of begins to get to that fisheye look, which you're underwater. It's a fun effect for the whimsical nature of those images. Yeah. 
So if someone has a pool readily available, (laughs) what advice do you have for them to kind of make the shots unique or interesting? Okay. So that's a great question. And I think one of the things, if I had to pick one of like the most important component, it would be taking into account the light below the water, just as you would above the water. So I think oftentimes you'll hear people saying, oh, I went and took some images underwater and I just didn't like how they turned out. And and so there's a couple of things I would ask if someone said, I don't like how they turned out. And I would say, what was your light like? How did you use the light that was available? You have to take it into account just as you would, you know, when you were setting up a portrait shoot or something like that above the water. So what I will do before I even pull my camera underneath the surface is I will just go under by myself and take a look at how the water is receiving the or how the light's kind of coming into the water, how it's playing into it, and then make the decision based on that where I'm going to place my subject. So I really like to utilize backlight under the water. It creates those light rays and things of that nature. So that's probably the biggest thing is the light, just making sure that you're, you're utilizing that appropriately. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a certain time of day, like with, you know, with shooting, not, you know, above ground, (laughs) whatever you you call it, when shooting above ground, you know, we have golden hour. Is there a specific time of day that it's best to shoot underwater? So I think that really is driven more by the images that you want to capture. If you think about the sun coming down on a pool at high noon, there's like the crazy reflection lights, you know, when the water's just really sparkly and there's, it almost looks like a, a leopard print throughout the water. You know, it's just got all of the different shapes kind of being reflected down from the sun. As the sun moves through the sky, that really is eliminated. So if you want that look in your image, which can be beautiful and beautifully done, you'd obviously want to shoot more at high noon. But as the sun moves through the sky, that's when you begin to get those really dramatic light rays kind of coming through the water. And I think that those can be beautiful as well. It's just really what your vision is under the water. I typically love the last few hours of the afternoon to shoot personally. I cannot wait to take all of this advice and go over to my in-law's house and get started. You've got a pool, you know... Any, you can shoot anywhere, public pool, private pool, but the fact that you've got a private pool just to play around and, and have fun in, you know, then it's great. It's so much fun. Yeah. I can definitely see this being something where my husband's like, give me your camera. It's my turn. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So um, one more question for you. Yes. When it comes to settings, I know obviously like with sports photography, you want to have a high um, shutter speed. Is there anything setting wise that you recommend us kind of watching out for as we get into underwater photography? That's a great question. So when I first started was just applying the settings that I would have used above the surface, which was, it was fine. But as I've gone on, I'm realizing that I need a wider depth of field in terms of aperture. So when I first was starting, I would have it at like 1.8 or so. I'm realizing now I need it 3.2 is really the most wide I want to go underwater simply because there's so much that's happening down below the surface. And this is what I was going to talk about earlier. And I just totally forgot in terms of bubbles are coming up and the water is just, it's 700 times more dense than air. So you're shooting through this medium already. And if you don't nail your subject, if you're shooting at 1.8, depth of field is so narrow that if you don't nail your subject, it's going to be hard to compensate for that later on. You know, it's really kind of just a a goner. 
But what you're going to need to do and keep in mind, if you're not thrilled with your shots, have that, have that, that having that larger depth of field will help, but also post-processing will be your friend. It need, you need to bump up the contrast on your images again, simply because you're shooting through the water. It's taking in so many, the, the, light rays are being absorbed as they travel and the yellow and reds go the quickest. So your subject's going to look bluer or greener than they, you know, would otherwise. And then that contrast is just gone because it's, it's being absorbed through as well. So knowing that there's going to be a little bit of work on the back end with editing is something that I can't reiterate enough because so many times I hear people say, they just look so drab and they do because you've got to like compensate for that loss of those things. So, but, but going back to my settings, yes. So I set my um, aperture to a bit more, I close it down a bit more. And then I try to keep my shutter speed above 200 um, just to compensate for any of the movement. Obviously your subject's not going to be completely still underneath the surface unless they're modeling or some, you know, something like that. But from the majority of, the images that I'm capturing of children, they're moving very fast. So I really don't like to go below 200 just to capture that motion. Perfect. Well, I am so excited about all just, this was such a good informational episode. If our listeners want to find you though, on social media, where can we find you? Yes, they, I, I'm most active over on Instagram. It's just Elizabeth blank over on Instagram. And I have, have a Facebook page, but I haven't updated it in years. <laughs> so I won't even share that. But Instagram is the best place to find me. Perfect. And if you guys are wondering what the what her images look like, please go check her out because they are, your photos are amazing. They're so much fun to look at. Such good inspiration. So definitely go check her out. <laughs> it was so nice talking to you, Logan. Thank you for so having nice me. So nice to talk to you too. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Find Your Focus podcast with Shootproof. Make sure to visit shootproof.com backslash podcast for the show notes and any links that we talked about today during this episode. If you love this episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and hit that five-star button. If you ever have feedback or questions for us, feel free to reach out at podcast at shootproof.com.